Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your host Liam and Bill. Welcome Bill. Everything's all back and uh, right with football in the world. Richmond Tigers back to being ninth on the ladder. I feel like we're back home. <laughs> Definitely, although still the reigning premiers, so uh, not everything's right, I don't think. Nah. We had a lot of good football playing on the weekend and a lot of super coach news. I know my draft team ended up with a draw in one of my leagues, the fabled uh, draw, 14.78 all, coming off the back of I needed Elliot Yeo to get me 28 points, and he's got negative seven at three-quarter time to go for a 27 to lock in the draw. <laughs> disappointing, and, and disappointing to have a score in the 1400s at all, I think, in the in the draft league there, so not great. Yeah, um, speaking of disappointing performances, you seem to have left all of your tipping prowesses in the women's season going three out of nine, while we had the algorithm <laughs> and me go seven out of nine. Yeah, I think I, I got to start making uh, some picks, you know, like just to be different, so I've seen what the models tipped, and I've gone, oh, no, you know, I'll tip the opposite, but... The models do actually, actually do an all right, so I think I'm probably going to have to stop doing that and maybe fall in line with the model predictions a little bit. Yeah, use it a little more to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, also had uh, my Supercoach uh, regular teams going up a few rankings, up to 772 overall. Yeah, very impressive. I think I'm sitting, I, I don't even remember now, I was in the 10,000, something like 12,000, or I might have drifted out even this round, so um, you're whopping me, that's for sure. Yeah, you're slowly <laughs> creeping back up. It's a, it's a long game, Supercoach, lots of rounds to come. Um, so obviously you're doing quite well like is that off the back of some sort of strategy or, or you have a strategy from here on out or, or what's the go I think just nailing those first few picks I think this year there are a couple of players you had to choose first of all Tom Mitchell obviously going crazy picking him over Dangerfield is sort of at the moment the right pick and I made that one um, Coniglio is probably the main mid-pricer that everyone had to pick he's scoring 120s every week and then you've got your classics your five your laird you're gone they have to be picked and then it comes down to your point of difference players um mine were like toby mclean and shane savage lloyd and uh devon smith so they all seem to have fired for me which is important but at the end of the day i think it's mostly about getting your rookies right and making sure that you had your dds and murrays and finlaysons at the start of the year yeah just like it's a big difference that you end up with with those few just quite different picks so i think we looked through our teams at one point and I think we only had about six players different between them, but obviously that's a big difference in the rankings. And off the back of uh, Stephen Coniglio, I think, is one that I missed out on. Yeah, and I think looking at the overall rankings at the moment, I'm only about 300 off the number one leader, and I know I've made horrible captain choices. You know, I had Dusty captain last week, and I had all of those wrong rookies on the bench the first week. So it is a game where you can pick up the points very quickly if you make the right choices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as the only professional super coacher um, <laughs> on the panel here... Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I had a one round last year, so obviously didn't win the overall prize, but uh, finished in the top three for one round and went back and had a look at my team afterwards, and it turned out that uh, all I'd done that week was shift one emergency. I think it was Scharenberg and Witherden, and I put one of them on the field and, and put the other on the bench, and um, yeah, I finished with the third place prize of uh, $250, but if I'd have just sat my team down and done nothing, I would have pulled out the uh, top score for the week and taken home the grand, so... That one little clip cost me 750 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Professional super coach nonetheless, so it's really an uh, impressive feat. Speaking of, I got a call up from the Herald Sun today. They called me on my mobile and they were like, oh, like, you know, we're calling people who play super coach to give them an offer. And I'm like, ooh, they've heard how good I'm doing. It's going to be good. buy you out. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Cash I thought they were going to get me on, get me writing some articles or something. But they're like, oh, we're offering, like, you know, like the super coach gold for like $1 a month. Like, have you played super coach before? I'm like, that's insulting. Seven hundred seven. <laughs> yes, I've played it before. So they weren't really offering me anything. It was a cold call, but something funny that happened to me today. Oh, sounds like a bit of a disappointing call in the end. Um, speaking of disappointing, um, my Bucks curse. I'm not not sure that it's necessarily dead, but it's it's dying. So they've they've taken the win against Carlton. I think 
I might have said that they're either going to be winless or have one win going into the Brisbane game, but um, yeah, they they got the win and they do look like they're in you know pretty decent form. Obviously pushed the Giants and now got the win over Carlton on Friday night. Yeah, not the way you wanted it to fall. Um, got my tip up in the end, which is nice to see. But yeah, Blues Blues look okay and Pies look okay. I think that's mainly what I took about out of this game is that. I don't know. I still don't rate the pies. I think the curse could still come off. They've got hard games over the next three weeks, so I'm still not expecting them to really fire back after this win. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they've got a few players in, looking in pretty good nick. Um, Grundy, obviously, doing quite well in the ruck, um, both in, in real life and in Supercoach. And, and side bottoms managed to pick up 35 touches, kick three goals. So they're starting to find a bit of form. And a few uh, lads in the VFL, Dugowie and Elliot Fasolo, looking to come back in soon. Yeah, lots of players to still come back into that team. It'll be interesting to see who gets pushed out if you see the Stephensons and the younger players getting pushed aside for those bigger names. Um, Sidebottom, you mentioned, he played really well all last year. I thought his numbers were a bit down and he came out with, I think, the best and fairest out of Collingwood. So he's obviously playing different roles for them each week. And on the weekend, it was go get the ball and dispose of it. And he was probably the best player on the ground. Neither of us like the Pies or the Blues too much. So we'll move on from this one quick and uh, talk about Lions versus Port, which was... Nearly a pretty huge upset. So the Lions getting within five points there. Um, I think we mentioned beforehand they were the longest odds, $10 by the time the game started. A line of 51.5, so obviously Bookie's expecting a thrashing. And then uh, in the end, if Alan Christian had got an extra one or two meters on the kick, could have had one of the upsets of the season. Yeah, do you think Port Adelaide just took you a bit lightly? Probably went into the game thinking that they had it won, especially being in Adelaide? I, perhaps the commentary team was saying a lot, you know, oh, Brisbane coming to Adelaide, they lose by an average of, it was like 10 goals plus or something. So I imagine they would have been pretty confident. And uh, the Lions obviously managed to get a good start on the board, I think leading by about 10, 15 points at half time. Um, third quarter, Port obviously probably got the, the bake from Hinkley at half time and came out and slammed on seven goals to two um, and, you know, sort of took control of the game there. Um, if you remove that third quarter, um, obviously you can't do that. But if you remove the third <laughs> quarter, the Lions got up 12 goals to seven. So pretty good game overall. Yeah, I think one of your best players as well. We saw a great game out of Stefan Martin, who got 49 hitouts against a uh, Paddy Riderless Port Adelaide. But more impressively, he got the 30 touches out of that game, and he was really important. Had a few, had a kick into the 50 at the end of the game, which could have been snaffled if there were people in different positions. He was really, yeah, integral to your performance on the weekend. Yeah, really big from Steph to step off, and obviously we needed the drive through the middle. Um, beams being a laid out, obviously hurts our clearance work there. Um. And a few players stood up. I thought McCluggage played probably his best game for the club. Um, cracking in hard and looked pretty composed with the footy in his hands. Um, if anyone managed to catch the highlights, um, Cam Rayner took a really great grab in the Ford 50 and slotted a goal. And uh, Hipwood stood up under pressure, kicking two late goals to get the margin back to five points in the end. Yeah, Hipwood definitely stood up in that last quarter. And earlier in the game, we saw impressive performance once again by Charlie Cameron, who's really been kicking goals consistently, what, three every week, I think it is at the moment. So yeah. he's been really worth that draft pick. We were talking, talking earlier in the day about, you know, how you gave that pick 12 rather than the 18. But looking at the players that you drafted, it might not have made that much of a difference. And you made sure you locked in a player who looks to be one of your most impressive going forward into the future. Yeah, like you said, talking about the draft does seem like we got our men anyway, um, whether we had that pick 12 or pick 18 in the end. And uh, yeah, Charlie's playing really well and hopefully continue that throughout the season. Um, from a Port perspective, uh, Marshall looked pretty good. I haven't seen either of the two Port games in the first two weeks, um, just caught the highlights, but he's managed to kick quite a few goals in those. He had only one goal on the weekend, but just does those little things. So you can see he's got pretty similar build to Hipwood, actually a real skinny bloke and uh, a bit of pace and 
he's got that pace. He's got a few little skills here and there. Like he's dribbled one through from 50 meters and another good centering kick that just shows you that he's probably going to be a good quality AFL player for a long time. While we're on Port Adelaide, some news that came out during the week is the um, after the game, we saw a player from Port Adelaide at a nightclub out there in Adelaide um, is gotten charged uh, question by police uh, regarding a sexual assault allegation and um, hasn't been fully released who it is, but Internet Whispers think that it's Sam Pal Pepper from uh, Port Adelaide. Disappointing, obviously, um, if true, on a personal side, obviously, for Sam Pal Pepper and, and for the Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, yeah, not something that I, I really know too much about at this stage. Yeah, not a lot of details have come out about it, but obviously something that we don't want to see coming out of uh, AFL players in the society. So, so yeah, we definitely don't want to see much more of that coming out. Um, broke curfew as well as the alleged allegations, and uh, Port Adelaide has come out and said it would be at leadership discretion to see what um, what gets handed down to him out of that. And I think potentially with uh, Rockcliffe in that leadership group, he might be saying, yeah, let's give him a few weeks on the sidelines and get me back in the middle. Uh, <laughs> I reckon that would be good for his supercoach scoring. It sounds a bit like what you're saying, Lee. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. Next game was Melbourne Demons versus North Melbourne Kangaroos, and the Demons have managed to crack that hoodoo. Yeah, 17 games in a row. We're seeing North Melbourne get over the Demons. Um, went all the way back to 2006, if you believe it, and that was a game where big David Neitz kicked eight goals to get the win <laughs> over the line, and we saw sort of maybe the modern-day Melbourne uh, Neitz. Jesse Hogan was really hot on the day. Didn't kick a big bag, but 26 touches out of your key forward. He was brilliant. Yeah, I think he's the key forward, if I'm correct, that I locked in last week for to kick a big bag. Um. Obviously, he didn't do that, but did play very well. As you mentioned, 26 touches, very impressive for a key position player. Um, obviously, getting all around the ground there. Yeah, I picked him up off the waiver in our uh, Supercoach Draft League, and he put out a big big 130 or something for me. So he's sitting pretty on a 116 average for anyone who's looking for a bit of a point of difference in your Supercoach teams. A few key matchups in this game that were integral to Melbourne getting the win, and I think probably the most important for mine was Max Gorn. Um, giving Todd Goldstein an absolute bath in terms of ruck hitouts. He's got 50 to Goldie's 15, so... Very large gap there, and uh, they've both managed to get around the ground pretty well. Gorn picked up 18 touches to Goldstein's 13. Um, Goldstein managed to kick a goal, which is good, but just uh, I think in general, Maxi's taking the chocolates on that one. Yeah, and another thing we're seeing from these games earlier in the year is that teams that are playing North Melbourne, their star midfielders aren't really getting all of the touches and super coach points and influence on the game that we see them normally get. It's a little bit towards the, you know, they've got taggers in there like Jacobs running through and I don't know what it is, but whatever North Melbourne's doing, it's sort of quelling some influence of some uh, key midfielders so far this season. It'll be interesting to see if that continues. Next game on the list was over in Perth and one of the uh, the tips that I missed, I think, here, I've gone with Gold Coast and they've gone down by about five goals to Fremantle. Yeah, Freo love playing at uh, Optus Stadium. It really suits the way that they play. And um, yeah, they got the win over a Suns outfit that didn't look too bad. Um, they had some injuries. I know Pierce Hanley went down, which was really bizarre because they said oh, that was going to be a six-week shoulder injury. He comes back in three weeks and hurts his shoulder. So definitely some questions to be asked about the medical staff over at Gold Coast at the moment. Your boy, uh, Jared Lyonsley's continued his form there as the next Gary Ablo. He's picked up 30 touches, 10 tackles, and kicked two goals. Very impressive. Yeah, put that together with his 26 contested possessions that he picked up last week, and he's on absolute fire. Uh, on the flip side, my early earlier year prediction was that Aaron Hall will average 30 touches, and he got five. 
So I might have been uh, on the money with the with the sort of idea, but off on the player. It might be actually Jared Lyons who will be that averaging thirty touches, getting a lot of those uh, Brownlow votes this year, rather than Hall at this stage. Um, Lyons has looked impressive. Um, I don't know how he wasn't getting games at Adelaide. Was he out before he changed? Just a super impressive player out of the middle. Contested possessions. He showed this week that he can kick goals, and um, he looks like a star. Speaking of stars, Nat Fife looks back in full flight. He's managed to pick up 38 touches, 8 tackles, 5 marks, kick 1 goal too. So um, not quite the scoreboard impact maybe he would like to have, but obviously any day when you pick up 38 touches is a good day. Yeah, definitely. He's been outstanding. He's back to his best. There's not much more to say. We expect him to put out these stellar performances, working in that midfield alongside... um, uh, Walters, who's been going through the middle a lot, and he played a really good game. Got his hand stepped on at the end of the game, but haven't heard anything out of Fremantle suggesting that he'll miss, so that's good news for them. And um, yeah, Fremantle will get a good win. I'd be quite happy with that one, I think. Just before we move on, a quick shout-out to Luke Ryan. I managed to pick up 21 touches at 100% efficiency. I'm not sure what the record for the most touches is going at 100% efficiency. I imagine someone's probably got a few more than 21, but it is quite impressive. Yeah, really great performance. He's been playing out of his skin recently, and we hope that continues. Um, Another interesting note, we might touch on some of the match review panel results later, but we saw that Sandlands did not get suspended for that bump that he put on, which is great news for Fremantle, because it turns out that Darcy, upcoming promising Ruckman, has done his PCL and will miss most of the season. So really uh, bad news on Fremantle's side in terms of the injury, but they're very lucky that Sandlands got through, otherwise they'd be rucking... um, you know, one of those uh, super coach loophole options that lots of people are hoping they can captain loophole in off the bench for Fremantle. We'll move on to the next game, but we'll keep talking about Rucks. Uh, Callum Sinclair, very impressive game as Sydney won by about three goals against the Giants. So he picked up 14 touches, 45 hitouts, three tackles, three marks, and kicked three goals straight. Yeah, Rory Lobb running as the main ruckman there at GWS went down grabbing his knee and went paid a little bit deep forward and a lot on the bench throughout that game. So GWS running with no real ruckman and Callum Sinclair took full advantage and was definitely influential towards the win for Swans. Buddy Franklin managed to add two goals to his season tally, taking him up to 14 and a Pretty sure he's the clear leader at the moment in the Coleman medal. Yep, on top of the moment. And the most impressive part of this game was I was getting some little radio updates on uh, on that game and they were raving about the impact that Franklin was having. And I looked at the scoreboard and he hadn't kicked a goal yet. So he's doing more than just kicking goals this season, looking impressive. I think Heaney's going a bit under the radar. He's been really solid over his first few games. And um, Coniglio is the other one I'd touch on that's been really solid and keeps putting out those impressive performances. I don't really want to, but we'll move on to the next game, which is uh, Saints versus the Crows we saw on the Saturday night. Yeah, unfortunately, a, a pretty big loss again. Um, pretty similar to last week, about 50 to 100 rough scores. And uh, again, pretty similar to last week where you boys did well up until halftime, but didn't really show up afterwards. Yeah, I was really actually excited to get down and watch this game for two main reasons. The first is seeing Rowan Marshall play his first full game as a Ruckman, second AFL game ever, and seeing Caulfield debut, and they were both really excellent. I thought Marshall's first quarter, he really did some impressive things, almost even took the chocolates from Jacobs in that first quarter. Obviously, Jacobs got on top during the rest of the match, and um, I think Caulfield went at 88% efficiency with 18 touches and a goal off halfback in his first performance in AFL colours. Yeah, both of them look quite impressive. Um, unfortunately, not too many Saints supporters there to witness it. I think it was a crowd less than 20,000. Yeah, 19,000 in the end, which is not what you want, but it's what happens when you get that sort of a performance the week before. Um, but considering the low crowd, I haven't heard a crowd boo the umpires as much as I heard 19,000 people boo first quarter. It obviously had no impact in in the result because all of that horrible umpiring, mainly in Adelaide's advantage in that first quarter, was when 
the game was sort of teetering and when the umpiring got better in my opinion um that was in the period where the swans uh the crows got on top with their with their elite skills really just shone through for the rest of the match and in that third quarter um that slingshot football out the back really um really broke the saints back still waiting for the week where you come out lee and say that the umpiring was was really good or or not in the uh, sorry or in, in favor of St Kilda but <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes but this is the first time I've ever been like wow that's some of the worst umpiring I've I've seen in a while but as I said it was it was mainly in that first half and not when we were getting beaten at all so I really don't think we we're going to pull it out but another thing just killing the Saints is last week we kicked two ten and this week we kicked three ten to start the game you just you're not going to win football when you when you kick that many behinds at the beginning of matches absolutely not um Keeping up his good form, Rory Laird had 32 touches, seven marks, uh, six tackles, and just putting up huge supercoach scores uh, week to week now. Yeah, there seems to be no stopping him. Um, I'm sure teams are already moving players to really play close attention to him, but you almost need to you need to throw one or two people at him, rotating through and making sure that you're quelling his influence because when he's got that footy in his hands at the halfback line, he picks the right decision every time, and um, that really helps to get to get them out of the defence and over the top where they're most damaging. I think. Kicking off the Sunday games was uh, another missed tip of mine. I've gone with the Hawks here over the Tigers. Uh, Bit of a left field pick, I think, considering the the Tigers' success over Hawthorne, even even their premiership years. But uh, went for it, and it, it didn't pay off. Uh, the Tigers getting up by three goals. Yeah, pretty close, hard fought battle. Um, Tigers managed to get up over the end. I know I was texting some friends who go for Richmond during the match, and they're telling me, "Oh no, the hangover's real. If we lose this one, we're losing already." After the first first few couple of goals went through, but um, they fought back, and it was a really good win for the Richmond Football Club, despite it leaving them in that ninth spot. Tom Mitchell continues to bring his own footy to each and every game. Uh, this week, picking up 42 touches, 8 tackles, 2 marks and a goal. Very yeah. impressive. Just can't stop him at the moment. Can anyone really? He's just always racking up the touches. To have the first three games over 40 touches is almost unheard of. And um, his being more influential with his touches for mine as well this year is Moot not only just getting those little handballs out the back, he's really really surging the ball forward on his own right, and um, that's been really impressive. My probably number one point out of this game was that we saw the debut of Snags Higgins. Did you see Jackie Higgins, <laughs> um, his little interview yeah. after the game? Very impressive uh, goals, first of all, and a very impressive interview. Um, that, that soccer goal was quite good, and I believe he's mentioned that he got that one out of a video game. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't seen the uh, interview, go watch it. Um, he gets asked after the game how he how he enjoyed kicking um, first few goals in AFL, and he's like, yeah, I got a few snags. I just, just really like that I, that I kicked some snags. And he said the word snags like eight times, and it was, it was just quite funny. And they asked him about his celebration after his goal, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I practiced that one. Probably looked like a bit of a flog, but uh, that's, yeah, that's all right. We'll give him a pass mark for being a bit excited considering he kicked two goals and got the win on his debut. Um, I've just pulled up a stats page here to, to back you up with Tom Mitchell about having a more effective touches this season. So in the game, along with his impressive stats for touches, uh, total numbers and all that, he picked up 12 score involvements, 12 clearances, 6 inside 50s and 3 rebound 50s. So getting all over the park, winning obviously important clearances and, and getting involved in scoring chains. And just to add to him, his sidekick at the moment, Jager O'Meara, played a really important game, and um, I think he's sort of going strength to strength at the moment, so if his body holds up to have a one-two punch like that, Hawthorne will be all the better for it. 
Next game uh, on Sunday, um, another missed tip of mine, I think, um, but a very impressive tip of yours, Lee, tipping the doggies to bounce back, and they, they did so getting the win by, again, about three goals. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with this one. I'm pretty sure at the time you called me insane <laughs> and you said that's not going to happen, but um, exactly what I said was right. Bevo put the boots in, and we saw them go back to some pressure pressure football, and um, Essendon sort of getting a reputation for being one of those teams that when they're supposed to lose, they get up and win, and when they're supposed to win, they sort of sit back a little bit, drink their own bath water and put out really average performances yeah when you started that sentence there Essendon getting a bit of reputation I thought you were going to say uh, for playing a bit of soft football so Doggies beating them on the inside um, obviously winning that contested ball Lockie Hunter Jack McRae Toby McLean um, Dalhouse Daniel Wallace all the midfields putting up pretty big numbers yeah and it was very interesting to see tactics out of um out of the coach from the Bulldogs, Bevo. He put Bontempelli main forward, who kicked three goals three for the day. Bontempelli only attended three centre bounces for the day, which is crazy, and two of those he was the Ruckman. So he was not in there at all, which is really weird. But when you look at McRae and McLean having the influence they had around the ball, they didn't really need him, and they used him to good effect up forward. Yeah, six scoring shots, can't complain with that. Um, He's looking at the stats page now. He's credited with two hitouts, so he's obviously won those, those two contests he made too, which is... Uh, very impressive by the bunt. Yeah, interesting to see different tactics around the um, adding the, you know, you have the main ruckman and when they need to chop out, normally it's the forwards. But we see a lot of coaches doing this at the moment. Obviously, Bont in this game, it was made famous by Grigg at Richmond, who did a lot of it last year. We also saw Blake Akers take a few taps, all of the taps in the forward 50, actually. Blake Akers took for St. Kilda, and he managed to get um, three scoring shots directly from those ruck attendances in that forward 50. So it's a tactic that's really working for coaches at the moment. I managed to catch the second half of this game on the TV, and one of the things that I was yelling at the TV about was Joe Danaher taking a mark about 10 metres out and then trying to hand pass to Josh Green as he ran by, um, who immediately was tackled, and, and yeah, just cost him a goal there. That was a very pivotal moment in the last quarter, I think, you know, maybe 10 minutes to go, a couple goals down. Um, you know, that obviously going back, kicking that one would have put them within striking distance and uh, just a bit of a brain fade there from Joe and, and or Josh Green if he's the one who called for it. Yeah, I think absolutely right. Brain fade. And we've been really critical of Danaher over the last few weeks and how he's performed. And he sort of had a better game. He kicked a few goals and got a few marks. But when the game's on the line like that, you need your best players to really stand up. And it's just uh, listening to a lot of podcasts and radio stations at the moment. They're saying sort of like St. Kilda and a lot of other teams, they can't see them going top eight because their top line talent, you know, your Stevens, Ross, like all of these players aren't that elite level to let you into that top eight and to have a good chance of finals and at the moment i'm looking at essendon and hurley aside you know danaher's not stepping up to that level we got everyone else in the midfield sort of weaker and their top line talent is a bit thin at the moment for mine as well unfortunately uh the next game for geelong their top line talent couldn't get them over the line and uh gary ablett unfortunately going down with a hamstring injury as well and news now that he'll be out for a couple of weeks at least yeah sort of the turning point of the match as well geelong got back on top and you had ablett ping the string and uh he went down we also had injuries in that game to cam guthrie and nakai cocker too so they were really without men to win the game when it closed Good news for the Saints, who've got him next week, and obviously not great news for Geelong. Um, a few of those players have been missing for a few weeks and potentially cost them the win here. Eagles running over the top late, as you mentioned. Um, Andrew Gaff, one of the most uh, influential players on the ground, I think. 29 disposals, 8 marks, 3 tackles and a goal. Um, very impressive game from Gaff, as well as Dom Sheed for West Coast, um, taking control in that midfield with 30 touches and 2 goals. Another player that was really good for them was Liam Ryan, who's really blasted onto the scene he was really great last week and um in this game as well and 
the only bad thing for the Eagles is that when he kicked his last goal there, he went down clutching his ankle and knee. And after the game, they said that it's probably not as bad as everyone thought, but now there's some whispers it might be a six- to eight-week injury. So really no clear word about how bad that injury is at the moment, but it could be a real killer for West Coast. Yeah, disappointing news um, if, if Ryan's not going to be able to get on the park and out to excite people for the next six weeks. Um, some better news for them is Shannon Hearn turning back the clock. I think he's had, I think, three consecutive games now above 100 Supercoach points. Um Regardless, he's had three very impressive games in a row, and uh, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's an old boy, so it's good to see him still kicking around and, and doing well. I think Shannon Hearn has old head syndrome. I know Walker from Brisbane, I talk about him a lot, and there's a lot of different players, some of the Ruckman, and I'm like, oh yeah, what are they, like 33? And then I look, and they're like 25. I think Hearn's like that, where I thought he was 30 when he was 25, and now he's like, I don't know, 28, 29, and I think he's 33, so... I think he's actually 30 now, um, okay. so he's reached the, the big 3-0. And, uh, but yeah, Josh Walker, I'm pretty sure, is still about 25. <laughs> <laughs> Just got that rough head, but that's all right. Lots of footy ahead of both those boys, I think. Being the captain over there, they, they trust him to take the kicks with his elite foot skills, and um, Hearn's playing well. Yeah, you're right. So we'll just move on now into a few just general sort of talking points, um, whatever we feel like discussing. And then one of the things that I've sort of taken notice to this week is the squiggle. Um, if anyone's familiar with it on, on Big Footy, the AFL Forum, side uh every year can't remember the username of the person who does it but they run a, a squiggle um football tipping a football predictive model and uh generally you know relatively accurate and, and always good insight to watch it um sort of firm up rough finishing positions for different teams and percentages of of where you're going to finish um unfortunately you know it's generally predicting the lines down the bottom and it's generally been pretty consistent with that the last few seasons and, and got them pretty correct but uh the squiggle this this season the reason i'm bringing it up is it's sort of already segregated into two groups it's got the rest of the main pack containing 13 teams and then five teams have managed to break away from the pack and form their own group and that's the two teams from South Australia, the two teams from New South Wales and the reigning premiers Richmond. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether it is correct and the premier comes out of that pack of five. Right, so if I've got it correct, you're saying that they run this model and they've got pretty much a line and say when after the round one, when your team wins, the squiggle will go up and then if you win again, it'll keep going up. If you lose a couple of games to some really bad teams, it'll drop down and it'll be a bit of a worm scenario going throughout the year. Yeah, essentially. So it, it's squiggling around there and uh, yeah, just based on your wins and losses and sort of retrofitting the importance of those wins and losses. So if you manage to get a team, uh, a win over a team that people are rating pretty highly early in the season, that win will be counting for a lot. But if that if the season goes on and that team turns out to not be so good, then it'll be retroactively downgraded in importance. Oh, okay, interesting. So both GWS and Sydney, as well as Richmond, was at the top, along with both the Adelaide teams, Port Adelaide and Adelaide. Is that right? Yep, yep. So uh looks at this stage that maybe the Premiership would be going to Adelaide, New South Wales, or potentially back-to-back for Richmond, Um if it's correct, obviously. But it has sort of segregated there, and it does have a, a pretty clear distinction between those five and the rest of the pack. Yeah, very interesting, especially considering the fact that we all know that Port Adelaide's the only team at the moment with that 3-0 and lead, but obviously of the bunch, they're probably the one that's still got the most question marks about them, but this data's coming out in their favour, saying that those wins are, are meaningful and pushing them out into that upper pack. Yeah, not too familiar with the inner workings of the Google, but something along those lines. So interesting contrast to see our own predictive model um, is also pretty high on Port and the Giants specifically, um, as well as the Demons, so... Those three teams getting a lot of marks inside 50, which is obviously pretty highly correlated to getting scoring shots and winning games, and also just dominating disposals. Um, Port not so much with hitouts, which is coming up as sort of important, but obvious reasons there with Paddy Ryder out for six weeks should strengthen up at some point. 
We'll keep on the statistics side of things, and I've got a few AFL stats that we've found from the first few rounds. We've got a few few rounds of data in there, and we see the you know people leading each category. So I'm going to give you a bit of a on the prompt to quiz where I'm going to ask you you know a few categories, try and guess who's on top at the moment, and I might give you some historical ones as well. So we'll start off with the probably the easiest of the bunch as we've got who who's leading the touches at the moment. Yeah, probably. I think it's an easy one. I'm Tom Mitchell. Do you have a guess at the uh, average touches that he's he's rocking? 41 or something. <laughs> yeah, he's rocking 45 average over the first three games, which is incredible. <laughs> um, do you know who previously held the record? If he maintains this, he'll be holding the record of the average touches for a year. Do you know who holds the record at the moment? At uh, the moment, I'm going to say oh, it's probably Tom Mitchell from last year, but I think maybe Dane Swan or Tom Mitchell last year, probably. Tom Mitchell last yeah. year, yeah. <laughs> 35.80 he managed last year, going at the 45 clip. Do you reckon he'll <laughs> eclipse that? Um, yeah, he's put himself in a pretty good position to do it, so be interesting to, to watch throughout the year. Next one we came out from uh, the week is uh, tackles, average tackles for the year, if you've got a guess for this one. Hmm. Average tackles. Um, I like my boy Mitch Robinson gets a lot of tackles. I don't know. like He's missed a game, so he's only had the two games. He could be up there in, in average tackles. Um, don't actually know whether he got too many, but it, it could just be Tom Mitchell. It could... <laughs> Uh, the correct answer was Nick Holman from oh, Gold Holman, Coast, yeah. averaging ten tackles a game, which is crazy. Um, considering that you know he's coming in, you know, one of your rookie prize players out of SuperCoach, and that's where he's making his mark. And Drew loves the way that he's playing. Um, touches. Do you know who holds the record at the moment? Touch. Average tackles for the year. Um, average tackles for the year, maybe Libba. Got Matty Prittis in 2016 took. 8.55 across the 22 games. So, Holman at the moment over that. Uh, but we'll see if he can hold it up. Prittis, obviously, a machine in the middle. And he was he was very impressive Is throughout his career. the year that Prittis tackled his way to the brown, though? Uh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, all right. Well, Nick Holman, brown, though, chance. Hitouts, probably another easy one for you. Uh, yeah, Maxi Gorn. Do you know what he's going at? Uh, I don't know, maybe 40-odd. Yeah, 48.7, um, which is, again, currently the highest. Have you got a guess of who holds the record? Probably last year, Max Gorn. Maybe Todd Goldstein the year before. Yeah, 2015 Todd Goldstein. Good one on uh, 44 hitouts. So 48 hitouts for Gorn at the moment. We'll see if he can, can keep that up. And a last little tidbit on the stats came out during the year is the highest disposal efficiency that we've got in the league when you're looking at players who have played all of the games and um, averaging over 10 touches, so not just getting a few touches. Um, do you know who might be leading that one? Luke Ryan might be going close, considering he got 100% on the weekend. Um, I might have to say Luke Ryan. Close. Uh, another, another defender, and again, a first-year player. We've got Tom Duday, or Duday, whichever way we decide to Duday. say it. Duday. Um, averaging 20 touches for the year, going at 93.4%. Very good. Absolutely very good. incredible. It, it just... I mean, people are coming out and asking if he's playing that role better than Lever is considering the way he's accumulating the ball and using the ball. So just a really interesting stat that I thought came out during the week. Some pretty interesting stats there. We definitely love our stats. And obviously, you probably know by now, we love our super coach. And we were just talking about the other day, you know, ways maybe they could change the game or add to the game or do these things. Um, if anyone, you know, involved in Herald Sun, super coach, uh, Murdoch, anyone like that is, is actually listening to this, um, or if anyone at all is actually listening to this and, and wants to, you know, write in a letter or something, we want to, one thing we want to see for Supercoach is an AFLW Supercoach for next season. I'm very disappointed that there actually wasn't one this year, to be honest. 
Yeah, AFLW Supercoach is definitely something I'd get around. It'd be a great way, I think, to draw the fans into the game and really understand the players a bit better than they do now. I think all of the diehard Supercoaches, however many are out there, you know, 300,000 Supercoaches, if a good chunk of those get on board for the women's, you're going to get a really big interest getting into the women's league. Another uh, slightly more out there Supercoach suggestion is uh, Supercoach Coach. So, <laughs> All right, explain that one to me. So this one is, uh, you know, like I'm I'm currently riding high on on Liam's Supercoach success. So in in Supercoach Coach, I would select the coach that I want to <laughs> to do well. So I would pick oh. Liam into my team, and uh, and I don't know any other Supercoaches really apart from that. So <laughs> well, you can look at last year's stats. Are you saying that? Is it like salary cap? So whoever won last year will be the Dangerfield price, and then yeah, I have no idea. I just <laughs> I just want to be like one more aspect removed from reality. So like, <laughs> instead of just picking players, I want to pick coaches who pick players. So will you score judging on how I score, or will you score judging on say the captain choice I do and the ins and outs that I do, the trades and how that impacts my score? Absolutely no idea. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Gonna leave this one in completely in the hands of, of Harold Sun and, and Supercoach. Um, they can figure that one out, but you know, feel free to take that idea, Supercoach Coach. I think it'd be great. Um, I think you know. All right, I, I've got another. <laughs> I got another idea for you. You got Supercoach, the coaches' coach. Yeah. So you draft yeah. AFL like coaches. It. So I want to draft Alistair Clarkson, and for how he picks his team and for positional changes that uh, that he makes, then you get points for those ones. Yep, I like it. It's probably slightly... It's in between. It's like, it's not as good an idea as AFLW Supercoach, but it's probably a little better than Supercoach <laughs> Coach. Uh, are there any other ones you can come up with? I just need more stats coming out of the footy. Yeah, I don't have any other Supercoach variants. Um, I've been playing some of the draft styles at the moment, which is the single game Supercoach, uh, where you just like, you pick what two defenders, two forwards, a ruckman and four midfielders with salary cap just for that game. And then, I know you're you're in a league with whichever one you enter and um just figure it out for the game so maybe just a just a short burst super coach for for some people who just want a little extra on the weekend yeah i think i've I've started at some point and I've, i never remember to do it to be honest i'm good with my super coach but i'm bad with uh with the draft stars and the tipping and all that i never seem to get them in another one that they did bring in was that like super nines or like nine nine players or whatever they called it where you picked like whoever would top score in every game and then someone came out with the stats like you know if you got, I don't know, even if it's only 10 players who might top score in every game, and even if every game of the nine it was all of then it's some obscene thing, like way bigger chance of winning the lottery than ever to pick nine players in a row. Yeah, no, that's the one with the Barry Hall ad on TV, is it? Is it? I don't like, know. You know, like you could beat Barry Hall. and No, that one's draft stars. Oh, that's draft stars. <laughs> right. I've got a bit sick of that ad, so whichever that one is. Um, it's it, out. Yeah, if the advertising team's listening, you know. Change it up a little. Cut. Yeah, cut. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to another topic now. Um, I think the one we'll go to is uh, that we've had some really good banners on the weekend. We know that the Bulldogs fired their, their banner rider over this year. Have you heard about that? Did we know that? I didn't know that. You know how they had last year their comedic banner rider who made all the funny banners? I know, I know they had a few quality banners, but I wasn't yeah. aware of where they were coming from. There was some comedian that they hired to do them and... Um, it did lead to a lot of funny things. Like I remember there was one time that Carlton tried to make a funny banner at like Dusty and everyone's like, yeah, but that's not funny, Carlton. <laughs> and then the dogs come out with more more quality. But yeah, he got fired this year. There's just real turmoil at the dogs. Even the banner man's getting the axe though. <laughs> but we did see some interesting ones on the weekend, starting off with uh, one in the Blues Pies, like a bit of a typo there. 
Yeah, I can't. I think it was the Blues. It might have been the Pies. I'm not sure, but one of them's. Uh, I think misspelled the word tonight. Yeah, had the H yeah. in front of the T, and then disappointing. Yeah, really. <laughs> you got one job, guys. Yeah. Come on. Um, and then another one on Saturday night I saw at the Saints was the best thing the Saints had done all year is uh, the banner, which was um, a comeback after Good Friday. It's been done before. So yeah. <clears throat> obviously getting smashed in Good Friday footy and uh, the Jesus reference, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, definitely better than anything they've been um, showing up on the field. Um, <laughs> round one, maybe. But uh, yeah, not a bad one. I'm interested to see whether... There's some we could have some sort of uh, super coach banner. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting points, like yeah, um, yeah, just rating. I don't know humor levels or something. But, yeah, uh, you drafting Collingwood's banner and they misspelled tonight. God, and they score negatives. Negative points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, we're sticking on some silly ideas. I know that you're always uh, going on about the uh, the team mascots of all the AFL teams. Well, yeah, I'm going on about it as part of like what I would do if I you know, around the AFL. There's a few things that would happen. Um, obviously, National Seconds Comp would be pretty high up there, I think. I think they're going to do that anyway um, next year or something, so looking forward to that. Um, a few other things, I would have uh, St. Kilda play North in like a best-of-five game uh, series, you know, like sort of NBA final style, and the loser is going to get either cut or relocated. Um, so, you know, a lot of pressure on that game. <laughs> um, maybe it's not, you know, it's probably going to be Rue Saints. could be... I don't know, maybe Carlton or, or the Dogs or, you know, one of the smaller Vic teams in there. But I think Ruse Saints is the current current one I would go for. And uh, shifting a team to Tassie, getting a team up in Darwin, um, maybe a New Zealand team, I'm not really sure. But, yeah, one of what you mentioned is uh, the renaming. And I think it'd be great if, if all the clubs were named after Australian animals. So instead of having, you know, like, I don't really like the Giants. I think if you're going to go with GWS, um, you know, you should be the Great White Sharks, that one. Pretty obvious to me, I think. Yeah, I like it. I like yep. the change. So, what, um, kangaroos would keep their name, I assume. Yeah, so I guess if you've got a, if you already have an Australian animal as your mascot, then you get to keep it. So, the roos, um, the crows, the pies, uh, the eagles, there's maybe a few more they get to keep. If you have a non Australian animal or just some non animal entity like the dockers or the blues or, or whatever, the, or the saints, the saints, <laughs> the demons, yeah, you get. You have to you pick a new one, and you get to pick out of uh, any of the Australian animals that we've got. We've got plenty of good ones, and uh, I, I think alliteration is always good. So, for example, Brisbane, we don't really have any lions here. Maybe the Brisbane Bandicoots. I definitely would be down to cheer for the Bandicoots, I reckon. Um, you know, Khan the Coots or yeah. <laughs> anything like that. Um, there's a few good ones. Obviously, if there's a Tassie team, Tassie Devils, Tassie Tigers. Um, if there's a team up in Darwin, I think pretty easy ones there. You're either going to be the Crocs or you're going to be the Dingoes. Uh, I don't know what the Saints could be, starting with S, Lee. Uh, animals it could be the stingrays or the scorpions. Like that, that's pretty good. Scorpions, I'd yeah. back for them. Yeah, there's a few good ones. Um, obviously, sharks if they're not taken by um, GWS. <laughs> I got nothing. Huh? This, is, this is a difficult game we're playing. It is a difficult game. Obviously, <laughs> you sit down and you workshop it, and um, you know you think of a few like Geelong. So you know, start with G. Could be the Guanas. I don't know whether. Um, it's more important to go for a geographically, like, you know, correct animal or, or whether it's just going for alliteration or, like, something that's cool, like an emu or, or a koala or something like that. Ah, right, cool. We'll go from the top. Adelaide, you said, gets to keep there. Crows. Adelaide crows. Yeah. Crows an Australian animal? Yeah. All right. We'll go on to Brisbane. You Brisbane bandicoots. bandicoots. I like the bandicoots. All right. Uh, Carlton. 
Carlton. Um, I haven't really thought of one for them yet. <laughs> Crayfish. Yeah, it could be. Um, <laughs> not a Aussie animal. Cassowaries are pretty cool. Um, True. There's, there's got to be some cows. Boom. <laughs> Doesn't say we see. We go with Carlton koalas. Yeah, um, could yeah. be pretty good. Classic. All right. Collingwood just keep theirs as yeah, well. Yeah, Collingwood keeps theirs. Uh, next we've got Essendon. Yeah, Essendon. Um, big fan of the Essendon echidnas. Ooh, yeah. I reckon you could design a pretty good, uh, pretty good strip with the echidna on it. The eels. I'd, I'd back for the eels. That just it slips yeah, off the tongue. The there. eels. Fremantle. Uh, Fremantle. Uh, Australian animal F. Um. Fremantle frilled necks. Oh, frilled neck lizards. That's a yeah. good one. Frillies. Kind of frillies. frillies. Is that a good or a bad? I don't know if people make fun of the frillies. I'd go for the frillies. No, uh, yeah. I'm around it. Uh, Geelong. Geelong. Um, Goon sacks. Geelong, yeah. Not really Go the Goonies. Yeah. Uh, the Goonies. Uh, Goannas. Goannas. Yeah. That's pretty fierce. Yeah. Go for Goannas. Um, Gold Coast, another G is a bit hard. Yeah, I wanted to get quals in here somewhere, so um, Gold Coast can be the Queensland quals. Okay, what what's that? Qual, um, all right. <laughs> quals like a it's a dasyurid species, so carnivorous marsupial. So they're pretty badass. Um, related to uh, Tassie devils. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, there's a science footy fact for everyone yep, out there, yeah, even yeah. for me. Some I real no science. <laughs> They're all just coming out in you. Um, we'll go on. Uh, we always said the great white sharks yeah. with GWS. GWS two. You just you just GWS squared. Yeah. Did you hear they're yeah. actually trying to rebrand at the moment? They don't want any giants yeah. or any. No, they anything. want the giants. They want they want to just. Oh, be the they giants. don't want to be GWS. They want to be yeah. just. They just want to be the giants. So they want to be just the great white sharks. Yeah, pretty much. Like if you're going to be GWS, it's pretty obvious. Like even just don't need the greater. Just be the West Sydney white sharks. Done. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Actually. Move on to Hawthorne, the next one. Hawks get to keep theirs. Okay. Um, Melbourne. Uh, starting with with an M. That's tough. The millipedes. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> Lock it in. Done. Moving on. Sorry, Melbourne. I didn't like you yeah, anyway. Moving on. Uh, I guess North Melbourne's a classic. You can't yeah, go change the ruse. Um, Port Adelaide can be the uh, the platypus. Um, yeah. Can't remember the plural. I think it's platypodes. Platter pods. Okay, I think it might it might be something else, but yeah, go um, the pods. Can the pods? Yeah. Uh, uh, Richmond. Richmond. Well, they can't be the Tigers if we're trying to move on to Tassie to be the Tassie Tigers. Yeah, maybe. and they can't uh, be the Tigers anyway. So Richmond could be rattlesnakes. Do we have those here? No, no. Um, Red belly. This probably ribeye steaks. Yeah, yeah. Done. No, 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 no. <laughs> Moving on. Rich- uh, Saint Kilda. <laughs> Uh, uh, we, mentioned, we, we mentioned the stingrays and the yeah, scorpions stingrays, before, so scorpions. They're, they're pretty good. Could even be the sharks if, if GWS aren't going to claim it. Um, um, the eagles get to keep theirs, and uh, the western bulldogs. Um, uh, we've got lots. Wallabies would be a good one, or yeah. uh, wombats. wombats. Yep. Yeah, I like um, the wombats. Yeah, wombats, are, that's cool. The bats. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you can shorten, I'll get around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except for the frillies. I'm just... I like the frillies, and, okay. and the coots. The bandicoots. The coots, true. Uh, uh, don't oh. want to listen to BT though. Talking about the koala, the koala, la la. Oh god! Just um, give him more fuel with all these new yeah. names. Um, I can get around it. We see, we've seen some teams. I think we mentioned in a previous podcast the Saints were the 
were the seagulls at one point. Yeah, yep. um, the seagulls. Um, Fitzroy was the gorillas at one point. The gorillas? Yep. Um, very briefly. Uh, I think Hawthorne was the Mayblooms, which is like a type of flower, I believe. So. Okay, well, we could have put some flora in there. I just went the fauna. Yep, um, we didn't, but... <laughs> Yeah, but we're not going back now. No, we're done. We've got to be gone. I guess one of the final talking points of the week is we saw a lot of the um, match review panel going to work. We saw Alex Rance and Sandlands both get off their um, their potential bans. Rance for a, for a really late uh, spoil into Bruce's head, and Sandlands for for a bump to the head. Uh, what do you make of those decisions? Yeah, um, can't see Alex Rance getting off this one if if he's uh, a he's not Alex Rance or b he's not playing for one of the large Vic clubs at the reigning premiers. I think that's that's a a hit that deserved a week in my in my eyes. Yeah, I think when I first saw it, I thought our oh, late spoil seems to have gotten up and uh, didn't have any concussion or anything, so I thought he'd get off. But when you look at the slow motion, he he starts his spoil swing after the marks well and truly taken. So. For me, that's that's a strike to the head, and uh, I think that should have been a week. And Sandlands as well. When I saw it at the time, it just you bump someone in the head off the ball, you should be going for a week. And I, I just think the whole system's so stupid that you know it just so happens that that hit breaks someone's jaw and it's high impact. It's three to four weeks. Hits someone in just a slightly different spot from the exact same action, and it's no concussion, so it's not even any weeks, which just doesn't make any sense to me. So no doubt you've thought of a better system, Lee. Well, just the first thing they need to do is just remove this classification of if they're hurt this much, then you get suspended this much. It should be completely action-based. They shouldn't have any guidelines to go on. It should be someone just, just watching the, the incident and being like, all right, well, then that incident was they shouldn't have done that thing, so they're going to get this amount of appropriate weeks despite what injuries came with the other person. I think it's the first thing you got to do. Yep. And you're volunteering to be this person? I well, think. I, I would do this job very well, I think, yeah, uh, sure. biases aside. But um, I think bias is the main thing people bring in when they're talking about this. So I think the one-man match review panel is good because before we had a group of, what, four or five people who all had their own biases and then they're, they're allowed to sit and talk about it. And each person has their own bias, so each case there'd be someone swinging the other people towards a sort so of off point of view is this not better than just one person who's obviously biased anyway so like well, more biases would even out more i don't know i think that one man his bias would only be one fifth of the time whereas if you have five people you have five times the bias and if they're allowed to influence each other potentially that's worse i think what they should do is they should have one person and to cancel that bias is you have one person with ultimate power, first of all, boom, no, none of these guidelines. I hate it. And then <laughs> you have 10 of those people who each watch the incident. No, no guidelines. They're like, I think that was worth this many weeks. They submit it to the AFL. The AFL takes a mode probably. So the most common like response from all of the 10 independent judges. And then boom, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the punishment. It's a 10 man panel. It's a lot of people. No, um, no panel, no panel. No panel. Pa- okay. Yeah. Individuals. Yeah. Individuals, not a panel. Um, yeah, I think that you should just have be looking at it. If it is going to be one person, obviously they're going to be biased in, to some respects. Um, they should be not looking at actual footage. It should be, I don't know, somehow like recreated, like a 3D model or something. So you can't see what the players or the teams involved are because surely it's like whoever, what, Michael Christian or whatever, surely he follows some AFL side. Yeah, um, and a lot of the people on the previous panel... I think most of them, if not all of them, have been previous players, which obviously have, you know, at least subconscious bias. So you're thinking maybe get a get some sort of a computer program who can take the footage and make it into cartoon, take out sort of the generic features and take out the the colors that they're wearing. And yeah, just, just make it so you can't see who who it is, like what teams are involved or, or what players involved. I think. 
the issue you come in there is people who follow football and will understand the game then they're going to have seen this footage already. You need somebody who who hasn't seen these games, I guess. We bring in the nerds, you know. We bring in the... <laughs> I don't like BT having to go at the eSports blokes. We bring them in and uh, they probably don't watch too much football. So <laughs> we bring them in and, and get them to uh, to sort it out. Yeah, I'll send it overseas. Somebody who has a lot of sporting <coughs> experience but not a lot of AFL. We, we spend two years teaching them the game with game footage and they really yeah. understand it and then they're not allowed to watch anymore. They, they don't get any of the news and we just send them every week. Here's some cartoons. Tell me which ones are bad and which ones are good. Look, I'm not too worried about how they do it. I just want the the penalties to be relatively consistent. Um, obviously, like, I feel like Rance has got off just because he's Alex Rance and because he plays for Richmond and because they're the Premiers and all that. Um, I feel like Cochin got off last year to play in the grand final because he's Trent Cochin. You know, I don't think we would have had that conversation um, if it was one of the lesser lights in, in the Richmond team or, or one of the lesser lights in the, in the Adelaide team, I think. You know, Trey Cochin, big media star, captain of the football club, I think got off easy on that one. Um, and there's a few, you know, throughout the years, I feel like a few players, um, you know, sort of been a bit more protected than the rest. Yeah, I think it's very hard to overcome those biases. I think the only thing I have for that is to, to get people in really big public positions where Michael Christian, you know, if he's bad at his job, he, he loses his job, I guess he doesn't lose much else. People who whose whole reputation around society revolves around them sort of being fair and disciplined. High court judge, if we can find someone who understands footy and they don't want to have their reputation tarnished by bad decisions, and maybe we can get 10 of those to be our 10-man panel. <laughs> I know it's a bit far-fetched, but um, I, I, in full reality, I think that the main thing that has to change is this system where the injury determines how many weeks you get. I think it should be a set amount of weeks, so you bump someone in the head one week, and if they got injured a, a certain amount, then you add it on top of a baseline rather than having it built in beforehand because then you just have bad acts getting off because of just general luck. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I'm getting rid of some of the the luck factor there and obviously punishing head high hits and um, yeah, just stamping them out. I mean, Alex Rand's a little bit of form with this now. So he, he punched Jack Watson in the back of the head last season um, when he was on the ground and now he's taking a bit of a cheap shot there. Um, you know, obviously you can play footy, but something that we want to stamp out. So sometimes giving those big names, just, you know, at least a week off could probably be a good idea, I think. I think the other thing I want to see crack down on a little bit is Alex Rance has done it a few times um, this year and last year, which I don't like to see out of great players, but I see a lot of just acting and playing for free kicks a lot of the time, which I really think that they should start throwing around a lot harsher punishments for. So people just stop it because I see it too often in the AFL nowadays where somebody sort of falls to the ground just to just to get the umpire's attention to maybe reverse a decision, and um, I don't think there's any place for it. Uh, one final one before we move on is if he, you heard the McKenna biting scenario. Yeah, I've seen the footage. Um, can't really make out in it where he bites him as such, but apparently he has bitten a Bulldogs, Bulldogs player. player. Yeah, Bulldogs player. Yeah, Tory Dixon, I think it was. Um, yep. It was a chase down tackle by Dixon, and then there was a bit of a scuffle, and uh, the freeze frame has you know McKenna's like mouth over the neck of um the neck of the bulldogs player but when you look at it fast motion you, you can't really see where the bite happened so it's very odd but there's also been other footages of like screenshots later in the game where you see dixon's neck which has these big bruises on it so i don't know it'll be really interesting i want to see how many weeks this get if they decide that he did bite him because yeah it's just crazy we we don't see much of this well chris maston took a few chomps a few years ago <laughs> yeah um, i don't know really what would motivate someone to bite another player um Strange decision, and obviously, you know, if he has done it, then hopefully a couple of weeks there. 
we'll close out the show uh, with our tips of this week. Um, so we've got uh, the model which we've started to put in um, the 2018 statistical uh, data from the recent matches into it. Uh, just a little bit at this stage because the, the weight of the data probably isn't uh, that large. Yeah, so don't really have enough games to to be adding this data in yet, but we're getting a bit impatient. So it's in there, um, and it is changing the predictions a little bit at this stage. So we'll go through the match first of all, uh, looking through one by one, and we might give um, our tips, and then at the end we'll talk through what the model said and how it differed from us. So first game we've got is uh, Crow's Pies on a Friday night. Um, I think in Adelaide I'll tip Adelaide in this one. Yeah, um, I haven't gone through a made tips yet, and I did say that <laughs> I need to... Uh, well, I'll probably stop doing it on the spot, but I'm doing that anyway. Yeah, but stop picking upsets, so I'm not going to pick the pies here. I'm going to go with the safe bet and take the crows. Uh, next, we've got the Giants and the Dockers. Um, Dockers are being quite impressive, but I think the Giants are a step above, as, as you said, that squiggle line model has been showing at the moment. Well, then I'm probably going to have to tip Freeman. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with the Giants. Uh, you know, I'll stick with the favorites, so Giants for me. Tigers-Lions, I'll keep it short and go with the Tigers here. Tigers. Next, we've got a, an interesting match, which is Swans and the Bulldogs. Bulldogs coming off a very good win, and um, the Swans, are they playing down here? I think this one's in Melbourne. Yep. Yep, so it might be a bit closer than people think. I'm still going to tip the Swans, but I think uh, everyone knows I've got a little soft spot for the Dogs still, but I think the Swans will get up. Yep, Swans, done. Next, we've got uh, North versus Carlson, which should be a really close one. It's in Tasmania, I think, Bloodstone Arena. Yep, in Tassie and... Uh... I'm going to go with the favourites again. I'm going to go north. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go north, but I could really see this one swinging either way. Uh, next game, we've got the Eagles playing Gold Coast. Gold Coast staying in Opta Stadium. They got to play there last week. Might be a factor playing the Eagles. Uh, I think I'll stick with the home team, the Eagles here. Yep, Eagles, done deal. Next, we've got uh, Port versus Essendon down here in Melbourne. What do you make of this one? I'm just going to speed it along here. I'm going to go Port, I'm going to go Melbourne, and I'm going to go Jalal. All right, to be uh, a tad different from you, I'm going to go Essendon over Port, uh, and otherwise I'm going to stay with D's and Cats as well. So favourites all around, pretty much? Pretty much. I think it's one of those weeks. I just need to get some tips back. I think <laughs> put like about five on the board in the last two weeks, so yeah, get some tips back, hopefully. Well, I'm not going to get them back if you're tipping the same. <laughs> well, you'll get probably maybe Port over the Dons. I could see that yeah. one flipping either way. I think probably... We were talking previous weeks about Melbourne being the new Richmond, sort of losing when they're meant to win. But you, you were talking about uh, this. I was yeah. talking about this. <laughs> but it might actually be Essendon a little more than it is Melbourne. We're seeing Essendon come out, beat Adelaide, and everyone thinks that they're top four bound, and then they come out and lose two weeks in a row, really disappointing. And I wouldn't be surprised if they turn around this week and beat Port just because they're meant to lose it. Yeah, I mean, who knows what the hell they're doing. Um, I was obviously tipped him to beat the Crows round one, and I was, I was pretty psyched to get that one right. Um, but then I think I've probably tipped in the next two weeks as well, <laughs> probably. I can't remember. But yeah, they've uh, they've struggled in the last couple of games, and they'll be pretty disappointed with those efforts. Um, as to whether they, or not they beat Port, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, any side that manages to beat the Lions must be pretty good. So, um, say killer excluded. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Port should get up, but wouldn't be too surprised. We'll move on to what the model thinks now, and um, I think it's a lot of similar tips at the moment. We'll just go through the winning teams. So the model that we have has tipped the Crows, Giants, Tigers, Swans, Blues, Eagles, Power, Ds, and the Cats. So that is including some of this year's statistical data in there, um, which actually had an impact on some of those results. Yeah, so the addition of this season's uh, match data, um, pretty basic stats in there, has 
has shifted from the Ruse to the Blues, and it's shifted from the Hawks to the Demons, which I like as a tip. And it's brought the odds for the Frio Gold Coast game in a lot closer. Hasn't quite got Gold Coast over the line, but their good form in the first three rounds has seen that uh, game shorten quite a bit. Yeah, Gold Coast, it actually has just solely on the 2018 statistics winning that game, but taking into account um, the previous uh, statistics we've been using, like home ground advantage, games of experience, and um, still a few statistical um, data from last year, it's it's brought it back over to Fremantle, but um, really a lot closer. So we'll be interested to see if that's a, that's a tighter game than people think. All right, hopefully I can do a bit better on the tipping front this week and uh, maybe even make up a little ground in, in Supercoach rankings as well. Uh, that's all for now, and we'll see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast. Mm-hmm.